0: This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com author chris lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language and mature themes. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 341. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, your guide to the fantastical world of Metamore City. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you about my journey as a writing professional. More about that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 6 of Honor Tested by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 336 to hear this story from the beginning. I'm still rebuilding my buffer after a couple of weeks off, so once again I'm going to skip the story recap. Here is Chapter 6.
1: Honor Tested The House of Bellevue Book 2 By L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 6 Nothing In Between Friday, April 27th Honor fidgeted nervously as the Townsend Tower lift car rattled around them. She reached up and fussed with the knot on her new scarf. You're sure it looks all right, she said. It feels crooked. Natasha stepped in front of her, her face a mask of steady calm as she took the scarf in her hands she peered down at it, made a few small adjustments to the knot and the free ends of the cloth. You should stop playing with it, she advised. I know. I can't help it, Honor said, and winced at the plaintive tone in her own voice. I sound like a child. Natasha put her hands on Honor's shoulders. Relax, little one, she said gently. It's just tea. Tea. Honor swallowed back the lump in her throat. Right. Just tea. The number ten slid into view along the back wall of the shaft, and the lift operator pulled the lever to stop the car. He pressed a button, and Honor heard a bell ring on the other side of the doors. They opened to reveal an androgyne guard in house Towns and livery, who examined Honor and Natasha with a critical eye before stepping aside and bowing their head respectfully. The lift operator opened the gate and announced, Townsend residence, milady." Thank you, Honor said. Her voice came out a little squeakier than usual. She cleared her throat, nodded to the attendant, and stepped out into the Townsend's entry hall, Natasha following close behind her. They had been to the tower several times now, but this was the first time Honor had seen the private residence. The lift emptied into a small foyer, trapezoidal in shape and perhaps fifteen feet across at its widest point. Three arched doorways led into a narrow, arcade-like hallway that stretched off to left and right. On the far side of the hallway, more arches opened into a great hall, with high slanted ceilings, a large fireplace, and a long wooden table that could have seated thirty. Honor stepped forward, taking a closer look at the great hall. Rather than the fine marble and ornate pillars of the great market below them, the Townsends had decorated their chambers in a more rustic, warmer look. The walls and floors were paneled in natural oak, with thick woolen carpets and accent walls of rough-cut stone. Chandeliers with dozens of electric lights hung from the ceilings, filling the rooms with a diffuse, warm radiance. Wooden fans spun lazily, creating a gentle breeze, More than a dozen large oil paintings hung on the walls, mostly showing ordinary people doing ordinary things. Farm workers gathering in the harvest, four androgynes conversing around a dinner table, men breaking stone in a quarry. Anna recognized the paintings as examples of the realist movement, a progressive style that had come into fashion in the last thirty years or so. The realists had challenged the older romantic school that favored painting gods, heroes, and other larger-than-life subjects, arguing that beauty came in seeing the world as it truly was. A rich, feminine voice came from down the hallway to her right. Lady Honor! Miss Volkova! Bienvenidos! Honor did not recognize the voice. She turned, expecting to see a servant coming to greet them her eyes went wide as she recognized one of Alex's parents, the Viscountrix Yasmin Toscano Townsend. Noble Yasmine wore a frilly, long-sleeved shirt, pale peach in color, a paisley waistcoat of brown and blue, and a dark blue kilt with sheer stockings underneath. They had no scarf, and their shirt was open at the top two buttons, revealing a gold necklace that gleamed against their light brown skin. It also exposed the upper curves of their breasts, which were apparently being held in place by some sort of demi-cup garment underneath the shirt, rather than the usual external corset. Noble Yasmin's thick, dark hair was unbound, falling in glossy waves around their shoulders. They smiled broadly at Honor as they approached at a brisk walk, their arms stretched to their sides in greeting. Honor forced herself to stop staring and managed a formal curtsy, which Natasha copied beside her. Noble Yasmine, thank you for inviting us into your home. Noble Yasmine waited for Honor to straighten from her curtsy, then wrapped her in an embrace and kissed her cheek. El gusto es mio. They said, "We are so very happy to have you." For weeks, Alex no has stopped talking about you. Honor stiffened under the androgynes' touch, momentarily speechless. She had known that the Toynyards were an effusive and emotional people, but this show of familiarity was shocking to her. The smell of Yasmin's perfume filled her nostrils, something spicy and musky that made Honor think of far-off, sun-drenched lands. Their large and shapely bosom was so close that Honor could have buried her face between their breasts. Yasmin drew back and smiled down at her again, their brown-gold eyes sparkling with pleasure. Honor shook herself out of her reverie and smiled back. "'I... I am glad to hear it,' she said. "'Miss Volkova and I have enjoyed the company very much.' This seemed to remind Yasmine of Natasha's presence, and the androgyne turned their dazzling smile in her direction. They must have read the wariness in Natasha's body language, though, because they did not try to hug her, too. "'Señorita Volkova,' they said, in that same warm and inviting tone. Mucho gusto. Alex speaks very well of you también. Natasha bowed her head to the Viscountrix. Where Lady Honor goes, I go. This I heard, Yasmin said. They turned and began walking back the way they had come, gesturing for Honor and Natasha to follow. The residence was vast, encompassing the entire top floor of the tower more space than even the main house at Bellevue Manor, and probably three times the space of their apartment in town. They followed Yasmin past parlors, libraries, and other rooms where the doors were shut, and finally stepped out onto a broad balcony on the south side of the tower. Metamore Valley stretched out before them, with the barrier range on their left side and the Dragon Mountains on the right. It was a bright and sunny day, but the garden roof above them stretched out beyond the reach of the balcony, shielding them from the glare of direct sunlight. A large, round table stood in the middle of the balcony, with place settings for three. The only other person present was an androgyne servant, who was filling the water glasses as they approached. Yasmin took one of the seats and gestured for Honor to sit next to them. Natasha took the space on Honor's opposite side. "'Is Noble Alex not joining us?' Honor asked. The invitation to tea had come directly from the Viscountrix, but she had been assuming that Alex would be there. Alex and Arlai have business at the Council of Peers today, Yasmin said. I thought it would be good for us to talk, para conocernos mejor. They leaned in close to Honor, reached over and took her hand. I gave birth to Alex, you know. The androgyne's... They do not like the words mother and father, but for me, I am su madre, entiendes? This is, how you say, girl talk. Honor nodded slowly. I, I see. She remembered something she had learned about androgynes and pregnancy. If you were Alex's mother, then that means your feminine form is dominant, yes? Yasmin nodded. So that would mean you were born male. Is true, Yasmin conceded. But only on outside. Inside always I was woman. I know this in my heart. Yasmin closed their free hand into a fist over their chest. So, when I had fifteen years, I came to Metamore with my father to see Majestrix I asked her to change me. And she did. They tossed their head in a shrug. Pues, on metamor todo es muy complicado. I cannot say I am lady. I must be androgyn. But I take woman's name anyway, because I know who I am. Honor scarcely knew what to make of this. She could barely imagine what it was like to be an androgyn, to be both male and female in one body. The idea that someone could have a male body but be female on the inside, before any magic had acted on their body, seemed fantastical to her. But then, the world was full of fantastical things. Well, I'm very glad Majestrix Kaya was able to help you, Honor said. You're bien, Yasmin said, and beamed at her. The attendant brought out tea and biscuits, and Yasmin peppered Honor and Natasha with questions about their lives. Much like their child, Yasmin was engaging and easy to talk to, and Honor found herself relaxing and opening up. The androgyne's beauty did not seem so intimidating now. This was a safe place for Honor to be herself, and Yasmin felt like someone she could confide in. "'I suppose this is who Alex learned it from,' Natasha seemed to be relaxing as well. She and Yasmin had both come to Imperial Common as a second language, and Yasmin's frequent lapses into Tornish, or her struggles to find the right word, seemed to make Natasha less self-conscious about her own difficulties. Within a quarter of an hour, she was speaking as frequently as either Honor or Yasmin, regaling them both with stories about the people and places she had encountered in the Southlands. Honor noticed, however, that she glossed over any discussions of the actual fighting. Given what she'd said about her nightmares, Honor thought she could understand why. You have come very far from your little village, Yasmin said. It's the same for me. The town of my family is very small, in the hill country about the Cascadas. Not big mountains like yours, but very beautiful. Sometimes I am sad to be so far away but I have gained so much by coming here. They gestured at their own body by way of example. I feel the same, Natasha said. Her voice was soft, but held more fervent emotion than Honor could remember hearing from her. She kept her eyes on Yasmin, but reached over and took Honor's hand under the table. Her strong fingers wrapped firmly around Honor's palm. What I have found here... I did not think I would ever find. I feel very lucky. At these words, a warm, fluttery feeling spread through Honor's chest. She smiled self-consciously and looked down at her lap. She turned her hand over in Natasha's grip, squeezing back. So do I, she murmured. Yasmin's smile broadened, and they made an involuntary cooing sound as if someone had just shown them a basket of puppies. They reached across the table and put one hand on Honor's shoulder, the other on Natasha's. I am so happy for you both, they said. Love is such a beautiful thing. Honor stiffened in alarm, a chill running through her. Beside her, she saw Natasha go rigid under the androgyne's touch. Honor found herself stumbling over her words. I... That is, we never... Natasha and I are..." She couldn't finish a sentence; she grasped for the lies, tried to fashion something like a coherent denial, but they crumbled as she touched them, slipping like sand through her fingers. Natasha, eyes wide and mouth agape, looked like an animal caught in a trap. Yasmin made a shushing sound through pursed lips, waggling their head back and forth. Mm-mm, no dime mentiras, they said, in a mildly chiding tone. The androgynes squeezed both their shoulders, as if in reassurance, but they kept their eyes on honor. I see the truth, mija, is in the way you speak of each other, the way you look at her, the way you hold her hand. Yasmin let go of their shoulders and gestured at the spot between them, still hidden below the table where Honor and Natasha's hands were joined. Belatedly, Honor let go and folded her hands in her lap. Natasha reached up and fussed with a lock of hair that had come loose from her braid. Yasmin sat back down, looking pleased with themself. Their golden-brown eyes were steady on Honor's. Honor no longer felt safe. She felt like an injured mouse, caught between the paws of a large and hungry cat. They knew... There was no hope of denying it. Honor and Natasha had let slip the truth about themselves. Honor felt foolish, naive for trusting Yasmin, angry at herself for letting her guard down, angry at Natasha for giving away the game with that show of affection. She took a slow, deep breath in and straightened her posture, trying to summon what dignity she could. I am sure you will understand, noble Yasmin, That you have touched on a delicate matter, one that I would prefer not become the talk of the town. Yasmin pursed their lips, nodded in apparent sympathy. I understand, they said. No te preocupes, mija. I no wish to tell your secrets. Honor was not reassured for even a moment. Naive and foolish as she may be, even she knew that such reassurances could be twisted into blackmail in the blink of an eye. I do not wish to tell your secrets, so I hope you will not give me cause to do so. But they couldn't just come out and say that, and neither could Honor. The forms of etiquette and decorum must be observed always. If Honor called this blackmail what it was, the Viscountrix would be offended, and Honor was in enough trouble already. I am relieved to hear it, Honor said instead. I am... Indebted to you for your discretion. She kept her eyes on Yasmin's as she spoke. I understand the power you hold over me, that look said, and I am ready to hear your demands. Yasmin relaxed back into their chair, waving a hand dismissively. Honor belatedly wondered if she had spoken too plainly by using the word indebted. The androgyne took a sip of their tea and looked out at the city beyond the balcony, drawing the moment out. Honor raised her own tea, tried not to fidget. Whatever topic Yasmin raised next, she knew their demands would relate to that. Alex likes you very much, you know, Yasmin said at last, their tone low and pensive. That is why they asked me to meet with you. They are hoping your father and Arali and I will agree to this match. A sickly, sinking sensation filled Honor's belly, she could imagine Yasmine, her prospective mother-in-law, holding the secret of Honor and Natasha over her courtship with Alex, a silent threat if Honor should decide to back out. Then again, if courting Alex was all that Yasmine wanted for their silence, Honor could do much worse. If that is all they want... I like Alex very much as well, Honor said quickly, and they get along very well with Natasha. Will you allow Natasha to stay with me, if I give you what you want? This is true, Natasha said. Her brows were riding low over her eyes, and she glanced quickly back and forth between Honor and Yasmin, as if trying to understand why the conversation had slowed, and tension now hung thick over the table. Honor would have to fill her in later. She couldn't imagine how to communicate to her what a perilous situation they were in. I am glad, Yasmin said. It is always better when your love and your spouse are friends. Then there is nothing to hide. A distant look filled the androgyne's face, and they smiled, as if at some fond memory. Ereli and I have been very lucky in this. Cousin Graham's words came back to Warner's mind. So generous. They share everything. Perhaps that wasn't just a nasty bit of gossip after all. That would be a lucky thing indeed. If such arrangements were normal to the Townsends, perhaps Honor and Natasha's secret would not pose such a problem. Assuming Alex accepts it, of course. The younger Andergyne had not seemed so comfortable with their parents, guests. Do you think I should tell them then? Honor asked carefully. About me and... and Natasha? Yasmin looked at her seriously. Honesty is always best, Miha. When you are honest and unashamed, no one can use it against you. And if your friends leave you, then they know we're your friends, verdad? They shrugged and spread their hands. Erlai and I have always tried to live honestly. We have had many loves, both of us and we no have secrets between us. What others do in darkness, in shame, this we do freely, and with the blessing of each other. For this some have called us horrible things, and they no will speak to us, their lip curved into a half-smile. So we no invite them to our parties no more. Privately, Honor thought that a vicantrix of the progressive faction probably had a great deal more freedom to be honest and unashamed than a minor lady of a centrist house. Heavens, androgynes were practically expected to break certain social norms. The curse of Metamore had shaped them to be pleasure slaves, and from everything Honor had heard and read, those impulses still ran deep. For most of them, anyway. There was another question Honor needed to ask. She dreaded it, but she needed the answer, and Yasmin, at least, would not be shocked by her asking it. Noble Yasmin, Honor said, choosing her words slowly and carefully. Alex has been very... well, very chaste in our time together. I confess I would have been open to... well, to more if they were interested... Only they didn't seem to be interested, I mean. She could feel her cheeks burning, but she forged ahead. Natasha and I have always known that I must marry within my station, and I do intend to. I just, well, I am not certain I understand what Alex wants. Yasmin's lips curved into a small knowing smile. Mi querido Alex is a romantic... Very, how you say, old-fashioned. Poems and flowers and letters and walks at sunset and secret kisses under the moonlight. Yes, I got all that, Honor said. But, um, about the rest? Yasmin laughed, but Honor thought she heard a note of exasperation in it. (laughs) I have tried to talk to them about the rest, to prepare them for their future, no? A noble house must have heirs, but they no will speak of it with their mother. Nunca, nunca. If you want to know, you must ask them yourself. And also, tell them what you need, And the end is, No is only about what they want. It is what you both want. Honor looked over at Natasha, who raised her eyebrows and shrugged, as if to say, I told you so. Honor sighed. I suppose I must, then, she said. Honesty always, Miha, Yasmin said. They reached over and took Honor's hand, squeezing it gently. I am sure you and Alex can find a way to be happy together. This will be good for both our houses, no? Honor looked up into the androgyne's brown-gold eyes, They were still as warm and inviting as ever, but Honor thought she could see something else there too. Strength, and cunning, and a determination to do what they must for the future of their house. Yasmin Toscano Townsend would be a valuable ally, or a fearsome enemy. There would be nothing in between. Honor forced a smile. I... I am sure we can, she said.
0: And that's the end of Chapter 6. Come back next time, when Honor makes an important confession to Natasha. Chapters of The House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www.authorlcwilliams.com. Hey there, folks. It's Chris again. I'm recording this on August 20th, after getting back from a trip to Michigan to visit my family. I didn't have time to work on scripts for the podcast during the week of the trip or the week before it, which is why I've spent the last two episodes rebuilding my podcast buffer. I didn't do any writing for more than two weeks, from August 4th until August 19th. Part of that is because of the aforementioned vacation— Part of it is because we just rescued a third dog, Willow, and getting her adjusted to life in our household took up a lot of time and attention. And part of it, frankly, is because I've been burned out. These last few months have been pretty disheartening for me as a writer. I really thought that the House of Bellevue would be doing a lot better commercially than it has been, particularly after all the work and advertising dollars I put into promoting it. But the newsletter promos that I ran back in June don't seem to have turned into sales on books 2 and 3, and Kindle page reads are down significantly from where they were a few months ago. The books are still bringing in a little bit of royalties every month, certainly much more than the Metamore City books ever did, but at the present rate, it will be a long time before they earn back what I've invested in them. I'm not sure where this leaves me going forward. I need to figure out what I want to do next. Whatever it is, it needs to be something I'm doing for my own enjoyment, and not for any commercial reason. I need to get back the love of telling stories for its own sake. Today, August 20th, marks the 8th anniversary of the passing of P.G. Holyfield. For those of you who aren't longtime listeners of this show, P.G. was a terrific fantasy author and podcaster, and my beloved nemesis. He was taken from us far too soon, And afterwards, I made him a promise that I would keep writing and telling stories. For eight years, I've kept that promise, completing 25 new stories comprising over 600,000 words of new fiction. Now I need to figure out how to rekindle that fire and keep going. I owe it to PG. And more importantly, I owe it to myself. Because some things are worth doing for their own sake. And for me, one of those is telling stories. Thanks for coming along for the ride. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author chris lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.